This podcast is sponsored by Cloud Optimizer. As a business owner or IT manager, are your cloud investment costs going up and you don't know why? It's time for Cloud Optimizer. As you migrate your business to the cloud, what you're spending and why you're spending it can get a little hazy. But Cloud Optimizer clears up the mystery and puts the cloud to work for you. Cloud Optimizer starts by analyzing usage patterns, right-sizing resources, leveraging discounts you may not be aware of, implementing automation, and much more. And by reducing unnecessary expenses and maximizing performance, Cloud Optimizer guarantees you a savings of five times what you spend for their service. As you utilize cloud-based services more and more, you don't have to lose sight or control of your spend. You can stay agile, streamline your costs, and optimize your performance, plus save significant money with Cloud Optimizer. Make the cloud work for you with Cloud Optimizer. Get a free assessment and find out how much you can save by going to cloudoptimizer.com. Go to cloudoptimizer.com for your free assessment. That's cloudoptimizer.com. Better off. Hello, listeners. Welcome back to A Pod of Their Own. This is episode 87 of A Pod of Their Own. I am Allison McCaig, and I am joined this week by my lovely co-host, Linda Sarovich. Hi, Linda. Hey, Allison. And Kellyanne Healy. Hello, Kellyanne. Hello, Allison. Hello, Linda. Hello. 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 <laughs> um, so we have a lot to cover on the show this week. Um, somewhat surprisingly, I just feel like a lot came up. Um, so a lot has happened with the Mets since we last talked about the Mets. Obviously, last week we did not discuss the Mets much because we had Dr. Meredith Wills on to discuss the baseballs. We spent most of our time on that. Um, in the meantime, while we were discussing baseballs, the Mets have somehow continued to roll. Um, the bench mob. Good. <laughs> the, the bench mob has done his job um despite the fact that the last time that we talked about the Mets that even since the last time we talked about the Mets when we went through the injuries at length they continued to grow since that time and it peaked at 17 players on the injured list I believe yeah um since in addition to all the injuries that we discussed at length a couple of weeks ago, um, Janeshwi Fargus sprained his AC joint crashing into the wall. So that forced the Mets to pick up Cameron Mabin, who only got one hit as a Met before he was designated for assignment. The Mets were on like center fielder number like seven at this point. <laughs> I think so. Yeah. Like and you it, think you think there'd be more issues there since they're on number however many. Yeah. But. Like they it, the outfield at the point that Janeshwi Fargus was injured, it basically the outfield situation became so dire that they had to start seeking help from outside the organization. So they did that. They uh, acquired Cameron Mabin for literally $1, but Cameron Mabin was has since been unceremoniously designated for assignment because it turns out that he can't really be a major league baseball player anymore. Um, but they also traded for outfielder Billy McKinney from the Brewers, um, who has performed much better so far, as in, like, actually looks like a major league baseball player, which is apparently the bar now. Um, but, yeah, he actually, like, has hit the ball sometimes. So that is an improvement. Um, but, yeah, the replacement. And he plays a solid defense, too, McKinney. Yes. I saw yes. that live and up yes. close and personal. <laughs> Yes, he plays a good defense. He's very good. Um, like, And he hasn't had much chance to play center with the Brewers, and he's getting shots in the corners and in center with the Mets. So 
um, that's good. And he will probably continue to stick around for a little while, at least until they get like all their guys healthy. If so, they get all their guys healthy. If they I'll get all their the guys healthy, which is a really, really big if. Um, but the replacements are still somehow 26 and 20. Um, and along with the White Sox and the AL Central, they have the largest divisional lead in baseball at three and a half games. Um, that is mostly being carried by their pitching, which has been absolutely phenomenal, despite the fact that both Noah Syndergaard and Carlos Carrasco have had setbacks now, although they're not calling the Carlos Carrasco setback a setback, whatever. Um, but oh, yeah. I think obviously the Carrasco setback wasn't really news, even as of the last time we recorded, but the Syndergaard setback was. So we were expecting Syndergaard sometime this month basically now it is now June we are recording this on June 1st um we were expecting Syndergaard back this month but then you know in his latest rehab outing all of a sudden elbow soreness which is not good if you're coming back from Tommy John surgery that's generally velocity was way down to velocity way down especially after after starting so like at 97 98 I think yep yep all the red flags Um, And an MRI revealed elbow inflammation, no structural damage, but he will be shut down until the inflammation subsides, which is about six weeks. So he won't be back until at least July, um, if not later. So that's not great. Um, But their pitching has carried them. Um, Both DeGrom and Walker are now back off the injured list and both have continued to pitch very well. Stroman, uh, all three of DeGrom, Stroman and Walker are top 15 in the National League in ERA. All of them have ERAs like under two and a half, basically. I think Stroman's is like 2.47. Walker and DeGrom are top five. Yeah, Walker and DeGrom are top five. A Stroman's ERA is like 2.47. Walker's ERA is like 1.8. And DeGrom's is like 0.7. <laughs> Something absurd. DeGrom's is video game numbers. Video game numbers <laughs> as usual. So it's like when, I mean, obviously it's not great that you're that your other two like really good starting pitchers are not back for a while, but like their top three starters have been excellent, like beyond what anyone ever could have expected from any of them. Um, And, you know, Peterson's been what a fifth starter is. I mean, Peterson's the fourth starter right now, but that said, like Peterson's been good sometimes and been not so good other times, but it's like, this is, this is all he needs to be if the Mets are at full capacity, right? Like, this is really what you would expect from him. You can't expect much more than that. It's just that he's the fourth starter right now. And Joey Lucchese's been fine, but they generally have to do bullpen games when he pitches, but the bullpen has been excellent. And Lucchese, yeah, Lucchese's been much better the past two outings. I think he's only given up one run in his past two outings, and he's honestly looked fine. I mean, he's been a little shaky, but it's not like he's completely fallen apart. And, you know, he offers them a different look, too. Like, um, you know, you have Jake, the power pitcher, Strowman, the ground ball pitcher. I don't even know what Walker is, because he's not in power either. Yeah, he's more ball. of a contact guy, but he throws harder than Strowman. Than Strowman, yeah. He's a, he's a healthy mix. Yeah. yeah. Let's yeah. just go with that. Yeah, so they each kind of have their own, they're all like doing their own thing. So Style. so I think he's fine. Which I, I think is start. great against opponents. Yeah. Just yeah. Because sure. that, 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 that's um, players on opposing teams have to prep for all different scenarios. More stuff they need to know. 
And obviously, you know, um, Peterson and Lucchese are left-handed, so that also helps, like, shake it up a little bit. Um, the churve. The churve. Um, Stay so, yeah, I mean, the rotation's <laughs> been solid, despite the fact that Syndergaard and Carrasco may n- remain out. I and think the bullpen... their team ERA is, like, 2.9 like, yeah, or it's something. it's ridiculous. It's ridiculous. They, the last time I checked for the season... So I know, because obviously I do the weekly meters for Mason Avenue every week, so I tend to look up team stats for the week and where they rank in baseball, both in hitting and in pitching for each week. I know for this past week, which doesn't include yesterday's game, Monday's game, this includes last Monday through Sunday, which includes two rainouts, but basically the one Braves game and the Rockies series. Over that span, their ERA was like 1.7, and it was second best in baseball. Um, And I think they've consistently been in top three in baseball in team ERA in 2021, basically um, week to week. So yeah, it, it, they've been really good. And the bullpen's been amazing, like really, really good. Um, like I, I don't think anybody expected the bullpen to be this good. No, everybody thought it was a question mark going in. Everyone did. Everyone did. And the bullpen I- is is improved now because Seth Lugo has returned from yeah. the injured list. Um, so that's a huge Your weapon. Man. My man's is back. I'm very excited. That's a huge weapon they now have in their arsenal back, which is awesome because. Oh, wait, not- they're, they're exactly there. But I was going to say, the Mets starting pitchers point. have allowed only 69 runs in 2021. Good for nice. a major league leading 2.72 ERA. Love to see it. Yeah, that's, that's nice. Yep. Th- that's a nice. That's a nice number. Nice one. It's a nice number. We like that. That um, is a very nice number. But yeah, so Seth Lugo is back, which, and Sean Reed Foley, who had actually been pitching pretty good, um, has been sent to the minors. Uh, he was kind of the odd man out, but like he had options, you know, with, with this is exactly what you do when you have a deep bullpen. You have optionable arms that you bring up and down when you need them. And that's what the Mets have done. And it's, it's really good that they now have this guy who they know they can depend on in long relief down in Syracuse in Sean Reed Foley. Um, which is really good. And Seth Lugo in Seth Lugo, they now have not only a guy who another guy who can pitch in high leverage along with May Castro and Diaz, but the and Familia at times, but they have a guy who can go multiple innings in that role, which is a huge weapon. Um, so the bullpen is like a, it's it's gone from being the biggest question mark heading into 2021 to I would argue the team's biggest strength at this I, time. I mean, not to for the most. We'll get too ahead of myself, but, um, you know, I went to the game, the double header against the Rockies and it was one, the first game was one, nothing. I have to say, and I get it's the Rockies, but I have to say it was kind of nice not being nervous, having Diaz come in. It's like, ah, game over. It's fine. Like when was the last time you felt confident when your closer was coming in? I mean, yeah. he was he was pulling it together last year. Yeah, towards I don't even I can't even say the second half. But then again, like I and I said it earlier in in our Slack chat that I like I don't put much stock in any of the twenty twenty stats, like good or bad. So uh, I I just there there were signs of him coming out of his terrible twenty nineteen. So. And he's showing that this year, um, yeah, very, he, very well. Yeah, he's he elite is, he right could, now. He can he's be been the elite closer than he was. Yep, he's perfect. And also, in he had Narco return. 
I, I totally put stock in the fact that Narco has returned as his walk uh, walk on song. I've been debating about writing an article about <laughs> his numbers Pre-narco, with Narco. I mean, yeah, that, like not his Narco versus Narco. Narco. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, it's worth looking into. I think. I agree. I agree. Um, in addition, I mean, to- it's a silly thing, but. It's, it's fun. It's very it's fun. Song. And also, we know how superstitious ball players are. Yes, so maybe exactly. it was a mental thing. Who knows? In addition to <sighs> um, Seth Lugo being activated from the injured list, Pete Alonso and Kevin Pillar were both activated from the injured list. Um, and, yeah, Mason, yeah. and Mason Williams was called up from the minors. And so, uh, as a corresponding move, Cameron Maven, like I mentioned, was designated for assignment along with Sam McWilliams to make 40 man space. And Sean Reed Foley, Patrick Mazika, and Khalil Lee were all optioned. And so the team has like instantly improved this week by like a significant margin. I mean, as much as we love Colt Hero, Patrick Mazika, um, carrying mm. three catchers is not exactly a sustainable formula. I mean, no. it did allow them to play James McCann at first base while Pete Alonzo was still out, which was good because it allowed for like basically Nito and McCann to both be in the lineup at the same time because two of the only like actual major league bats they had happened to be both their catchers. So it was helpful for that. But like now that Alonzo is back playing first base every day, you don't really need three catchers anymore. Um, so yeah, but like, you know, replacing Reed Foley, Mazika, and Lee with Lugo, Pilar, and Alonzo is like a big, pretty big upgrade. Um, <laughs> and the fact that Pilar was one of the first ones back is pretty really incredible. P- Pilar is still terrifying me that he's back like two weeks, I think two weeks after he got hit. I mean, he's fine. It's just a broken nose. I mean, like, yeah, like as long as you're wearing the protective mask, like, outside of getting hit in the face again like there's really not much he can do to re-injure it yeah it's not like a quad where like if you run then you can re-aggravate it yeah Yeah. um and as long as he's can like he said as long as he can breathe and see which it seems like he can he's good (laughs) yeah and like you don't need your face to swing a bat (laughs) Hopefully. Oh, you need your eyes. You need but you your eyes. Need your and that was that was the whole thing I was concerned about was his eyesight. Yeah. That that ball hit him flush on the face. Oh it's my a, god. I guess the nose did what it was supposed to do and took the brunt of it and protected the eyes. Yeah. I mean, you know, oh it seemed god. like when it swelled, that was when he couldn't see, but now that the swelling is down. Yeah. It seems he's okay. Yeah. Yes. But, you know, somebody pointed this out on Twitter, too, and I noticed it, that um, I want to say it was Gelbs, um, how Jake, you know, just gives very Jake answers, like he doesn't reveal too much, but he was very animated talking about Pilar last night, and it was like one of the rare times you saw him like really you know, speak very highly of it. I mean, he always speaks highly of his teammates, but he was, you know, really gushing about Pilar yesterday, which is very rare from Jake. Yes. So I think that kind of speaks to how the rest of the team views him too. Yeah. Yeah, definitely. I mean, that's that's been his whole career, that he has that tough reputation. Yeah, Strominola loved him from Toronto. Yes, yeah. Yes, he was, yes, like, really yes. psyched when the Mets signed him, I remember. yeah. Sherman was yeah um but yeah I mean I I like obviously it's hard 
not to feel good about the Mets right now. They've built up, you know, a little bit of a division lead here, despite the fact that like half their teams on the injured list, more than half. Um, but for the most part, in or like tempering our, you know, our like excitement, the Mets are World Series bound excitement a little bit. Um, not to say that like the Mets haven't been good because they have been, but they've been able to take advantage against bad teams mostly because they've played a lot in division. And as we know, the entire NL East is a trash fire. Um, they're all under 500. They're right? all under 500 so, besides okay. the Mets. Yes. Um, and the Rocky, and then they played the Rockies who are really bad and they're playing the Diamondbacks right now who are really bad. Um, and they will not be playing those teams forever. Um, eventually, right after the Diamondback series, they'll be facing off against the Padres, which will be a huge yeah. test. The Padres are a very good baseball team. Oh, um, yeah. So we'll see what happens. I mean, like, the, the Mets have built up enough of a division lead where, like, you know, if the Padres clean their clocks a little bit, it won't be a disaster for their standing in the NL East. Um, but well, we, if you look at all of June, outside of a couple series, they're playing mostly the NL East for yes, the entire month. Yes, they're playing a lot of NL East games again in June. They're playing the Padres, and I think the they're Cubs, playing the Cubs, the who Orioles, are, who are good now. The Cubs, yeah. Are good now. Um, <laughs> which actually, the last time they played the Cubs, I mean, the Cubs swept them. So when they um, were bad, <laughs> when yeah, when they were bad, and now the Cubs are good. Um, so. We'll see what happens during this stretch of the schedule. Hopefully the Mets won't hit a June swoon. I mean, they have, like I said, the, 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 the cavalry is coming. Some guys have been activated, but it's hard to say like beyond this first glut of guys, like we knew that Alonzo Pilar and Lugo were close. And so they've all come back now, but like, who's the next guy? Like every single other guy is like far, pretty far away or has had some sort of setback. Like, I don't know what's I guess going on with my mans. I yeah, don't JD know. is like That's just, not okay. It's so mysterious. It's, it's mysterious and it's weird. Yeah, they're like, not they keep saying, saying he's them. swinging a bat, then he's not swinging a bat, then he's rehabbing, then he's not rehabbing, then he got sent to New same, York. And they did the same freaking thing they did with Carrasco, where yes. they're like, he's you know he's not he's not back in his rehab assignment but it's not a setback and it's one of those like my not a setback t-shirt <laughs> has people asking a lot of questions about my shirt situations right. like I just want my hands back. stop saying it's not a setback if it's a setback <laughs> like it you don't is. have to say anything you, like it's like they don't just say he's, he's not swinging it's fine like, you don't have to say not a setback. You could just not say anything. But instead, they're like, we promise it's not a setback. It's like, hmm, that makes me really think it's a setback. <laughs> yeah, like, now I'm starting to think that it is a setback. Like, yes. I don't understand. So, like, JD is, like, mysteriously dead in a way that we don't understand. And it was like, a little J- JD, no, JD Davis, uh, Jed Lowry. Sorry. The little Jed Lowry. No, situation. I hope it's not that bad. It's just a hand. Not I a hope not either, because I, I would like to th- think if he needs surgery they'll let him go get it unlike jed lowry who they yeah i mean yeah like i don't, yeah. Ooh, I don't sorry, think it's gonna be just dropped i don't uh, drop in the mic kellyanne's out here dropping the mic on the pod literally um <laughs> i don't think it's gonna be like that situation but like both jd davis and brandon nimmo like hurt themselves swinging the bat and now they're like months <laughs> like they're gonna be out for months for some reason like i'm just like what is happening and brandon nimmo has this mysterious like nerve issue in his finger that it turns out was aggravated by his like bruise or whatever he had 
And so like, he's still not swinging. JD has a mysterious, not setback setback. And like, like Giorme is probably next because they said he's going on a rehab assignment. Giorme so, and Almora, I think. And Almora. Said, yeah. So like they might come back and then, but then like Jeff McNeil was taking grounders like before the game the other day, but like they, they haven't said anything about like him starting a rehab assignment. He was literally just like the first steps of baseball activities and Conforto is not doing squat. So like, they may not, they've gotten a glut of reinforcements, but it may be a while until the next wave. Well, hopefully they can hold it down until then. Yep. Hopefully <laughs> guys like Billy McKinney and Brandon Drury continue to like be amazing. And like Jonathan VR continues to be like a legitimate everyday third baseman somehow. Like that's what they got to keep doing if they can hope to win games. I mean, I love it. If, the, if we could have survived like the past two weeks with like not even a full lineup like you were basically like we are are patching the leaks there yeah like i've never seen anything like that and you know everybody like rojas is not a good in-game manager whatsoever but you know credit to him for this team not completely you know collapsing which it very easily could have yeah there's more than one person saying that rojas is like a manager of the year candidate which like listen Uh, i i don't necessarily agree with that because i don't think he's actually good at managing but like is there a manager who's really good at manage at like on field managing there aren't that many managers that are good at that good no so i I think well i think maybe what can positively can be said about him is that he is hands off and trusts his players to kind of work things out themselves which seems to again this is entire speculation on my part because it seems to be working out because the team is doing well the team supports each other i mean there are the online members of the team just go crazy supporting each other and defending each other and being generally silly and fun with each other. So maybe that hands-off approach, he's taking a hands-off approach that's working. Maybe, maybe who knows, but ride the wave while it lasts because like the point is, is they need to build up this lead while they're playing bad teams and hold on against good teams that's just the way it has to be until like august when guys are back for real like you just need to keep yourselves in it during this time and then hopefully you're healthy for the real stretch run like i was hoping for them to play 500 baseball and they've done better than that yeah absolutely i mean we can laugh and say they were beating up bad teams but you look at that's what you have to do but you but you look at the Mets lineup they very easily could have been a bad team that's the whole thing that's that's the other thing that cracks me up we like we're on our third and fourth string here we're on our fifth or sixth sixth center fielder for god's sake yeah we had a catcher playing first base (laughs) which i think is pretty mortifying for the other teams yeah, but, but like I think that speaks highly to the depth they have brought in, and that they're doing well too. Well, I think it actually. I mean, I don't know if you saw the Ken Rosenthal tweet. Like the Mets are second to last in runs scored, 
So <laughs> in the major <laughs> leagues, they're just above the Pirates. So yeah. I think it's a credit to the pitching more than anything. For the most part. And yes. I mean, like, so it, it's interesting because, like, everyone will say pitching. similar things about, like, oh, we're like our team's really injured, too. And it's true. We've mentioned on previous episodes of the podcast, the injuries are insane this year. They're up across the league. Like every team is dealing with this to a certain extent. But a a really uh, illustrative graphic, uh, and I recently posted it on Twitter, um, a really illustrative graphic came out about this on Fangraphs recently. Fangraphs wrote an article about the injuries. Um, and they posted a graphic of like a, like basically a bar chart of for each team, like all the teams were on the X axis and the Y axis was projected war on the injured list. And the Mets were far and away the most. So like, even if other teams might have just as many players hurt or like around the same neighborhood as a number of players hurt as the Mets, the Mets have by far the most important players hurt. Um, Yes. And at the time and at the time that the article was written, DeGrom was not on the injured list. So like this was <laughs> minus DeGrom, whose projected war is probably the most of any Met. Um, and he did spend some time on the injured list, although not an extended stint. He did spend some time. And so the Mets had like close to 20 projected war on the injured list. Now. That is obviously an imperfect stat and we can go into the, all the various ways in which the, these are imperfect guesstimates because obviously F war is uh, is flawed in and of itself. And like, these are simply projections. They're not actual numbers as far as like the 2021 season. We don't know those yet. So it could be that Michael Conforto wouldn't have had a good season overall and it doesn't matter, but like, so these are flawed estimates, but at the same time, it's still like as a big picture thing is very, very telling of like how, how much the Mets have had to deal with this year. Yes. And going, going back to what Linda was saying about like the pitching being why this team uh, is holding it together. I would also like to make mention of the defense. Yeah. Which has been much improved. So much improved to the point where we're saying it's good. That's such a refreshing change. I feel and like I, think, I saw a stat where they were like second in the league in defensive runs saved, I think. And it's nice, it's nice to see that defense has become a priority because in past years, it clearly was not. So, and that has so obviously helped them saving runs and just making these, Gord Lindor has been making just gorgeous plays Oh, wait, I found it um, from Matthew Brownstein. I think he writes for Mets Mesmerized. Yes. Um, the Mets and Nationals are tied for the second most offensive run saved DRS in the National League at plus 24. The Padres are first at plus 34. Yeah. Truly. So, yeah, they're one of the best in the league. And, and I, I mean, mean like, they were probably last or close to last last year. Yeah. Like, and in previous years. Yeah. I mean, like we could we can say so we could th- I like I can think of so many errors and goofy plays and well, just the positioning ugh, was just positioning, awful. but even even speed, reaction time, arm ability. It's just like Lindor is as smooth as butter. He's so quick on the button. Him and Peraz are incredible up the middle. Yeah, they're really good. And VR has been fantastic. At yeah, he's been and a lot recently. better than I thought. He's been and a lot Pete better Alonso's, than I thought. And Pete Alonso's first base defense has been, has improved too. Improved massively. And I yeah. think that 
before, unfortunately, but before he went down, Nimmo had improved in center field a lot. Yeah. Um, I think that, I think the positioning, I mean, I think with guys like, like Francisco Lindor is going to be good no matter what your positioning is. He's, he's extremely athletic. He's a great shortstop. He's just an elite level defensive shortstop. But I think that so much of this other, like the other improvements and Pete Alonso has clearly like worked really hard at his defense. But I think a lot of these improvements do come from positioning, like brand, like realizing that Brandon Nimmo can go in on balls, but he can't really go back on them. So like, Hmm, play deeper. Like that makes a lot of sense. Um, and like the Mets, I, I, I think I mentioned this on a previous show and I don't know if it's still true, but I imagine it still is. But at the time I mentioned it last time, I think the Mets were like, second in the league in like like um in like ground like making outs when they're when the shift is on or like like they were the best at shifting like the percentage of like or like run saved by the shift or something like that they were one of the best teams at shifting (laughs) sorry that i don't remember the actual measurement that was being used but they were one of the best most successful teams at shifting that the guys that they Oops, there goes my mic now. Um, <laughs> that oh, the guys, so now, you have, now you have to drop yours. Yeah. <laughs> um, the guys that they did call up or pick up were all good defensively. So, yes. like, even if they weren't hitting, they were still contributing. Yeah. It does help exactly. that, like... Like, <laughs> Lee. Lee made a little incredible catches in the outfield. Yes. And Fargus. It's like... Yes, Fargus too. I just want Lee to get the offense together because he was he was like wonderful to watch in the field. He really was. I, I mean, I still have faith in Lee. I mean, and he's like, a, he's, when he he's got that game winning hit in Miami, he was just he was like beaming in the post game conference. That was very, I was so very happy horrible. for him. Yeah. yeah, him, him, Lindor, and Walker are the, like the smiles club to me yes. right now. Yeah. I mean, he just, he just needs more seasoning. Like he's just clearly not ready. And he's he's like, he's he's 22. 22. Yeah. He's a baby. He'll be ready. Like I'm not worried, but right now he shouldn't be in the major leagues. No. Um, But yeah. So like, thank you for that one, you know, big hit Lee. Cause he did. He won them that game. So. Yep. Thanks for the memories. And those spectacular defensive plays. I can't wait to see you back up. Yes. Um, and yeah, the, like the, this team's strength has been its pitching, and that's been am- like you know that's been amplified by the defense, which have, has come through for its pitchers, um, which is good to see. Um, so yeah, we'll see what happens when the Mets hit June, which has historically been a tough month for this team. June um, swoon. Yeah, let's hope this is the year we don't have a June swoon. Um, we'll see. Um, I mean, if they don't, then you might as well just start printing the playoff tickets now. Seriously. Considering like, yeah. everything else they've been through, if this team can get through a June. non-June swoon, Oof. I might start believing. Yeah, if they can survive June, then we'll, then we'll feel like they're for real. There's there's hope. I mean, also, if you look at the loss column, I think the Phillies are like six back in the loss column. Yes, Let's the Mets see. and the loss column because because the Mets have played so many fewer games than everybody else. Um, it's like nine or ten. Yeah, like, it's get, it's a lot now, especially because they got two games banged over the weekend. So like, oh, yes, yeah. it's been even worse now. So 
like, and they still haven't really made up their games that got canceled at the beginning of the season. Like that's why there's that double header in June uh, against the nationals in DC. Cause those games at the opening of the season were, were canceled and they still haven't really made them up. So like the no. Mets have played like nine games fewer than everybody else. Yes. So, but if you look at the loss column, the Mets are actually like tied among all the like best teams in baseball. Yeah. Like, like I'm looking at the NLEs. Braves, 26 losses. Phillies, 29. Marlins, 28. Nationals, 29. Yep. And the Mets are what, 20? 20. Yeah, 20. They're 26 and 20. So. Wow. Loss column is like even more. Um, So. I mean, I think that cushion cushion between the Mets and the Braves right now says it all. They're three and a half games ahead. Yep. It's awesome. And the Braves at least all have issues. Oh they have no God. pitching. Yeah, they're, they're gonna, no yeah pitching. they kind of no fell pitching. apart. No pitching. The, they can hit a ton, but no pitching. Um, and we, I mean, among we've other seen, things, we've seen the Phillies a lot, and we've seen their issues. Um, then other than Zach very, Wheeler, yeah, Zach Wheeler's great. The rest who of the is team, elite, not so much. Um, even Aaron Noah is not pitching well right now. Um, so the like the, the NL East is a very flawed division. Every team is flawed um, in some capacity. And the Nationals are just woof. I don't know what's going on with them. Woof. Well, Strasburg is hurt again. Yep. But was this his first game back? Uh, no. Oh, okay. He'd been off the IL for a few starts, I think, because he's on my fantasy team. So gonna have to address that too. Cool. <laughs> <laughs> um, but. Uh, yeah, so, um, Ooh, one he, thing. Oh, Strasburg, sorry, I have to, Strasburg exited in the second inning? Yes, he Oof. did. He's hurt again. Oof. Well, yeah, they said his velocity was way, way down. Way he was down. shaking his arm. So it I didn't I am sound glad good. he didn't gut throw it, pretty much. Oh, my God. That what is, a mess. Yeah, it's, a, it, Steven Strasburg's career makes me sad. It's a shame. Hey, he good. still has a World Series ring. That's what so. I was going to say. He, he, has, a ring. he has a ring. David Wright doesn't. I don't yeah, feel that yes. bad. Yeah, neither do I. <laughs> and also, uh, it was karma for them sitting him that one in, what was it, 2012? Yeah. It was like the curse yeah. of Strasburg because... When they were like, we're going to protect his health, and he got yeah, hurt anyway, his... and then they didn't win. Yeah. And yeah, and then it seemed like it was the curse of Strasburg. That was their one chance, but... It was That all went out the window. Yep. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Got your happy price, price line. News relevant to this podcast. Every week we had our Mickey Calloway still has a job segment. <gasps> finally, oh, finally oh, put that segment to bed because Mickey Calloway no longer has a job. <laughs> Not only that, he's on the ineligible list. He is on the ineligible oh. list. So um, MLB finally finished its rather lengthy investigation, which it began in early February. It is now June 1st. So we're talking like almost four months. Um, 
finished its investigation into Callaway's conduct and concluded that, quote, Mr. Callaway violated MLB's policies and that placement on the ineligible list is warranted. So Callaway has indeed been placed on the ineligible list through the end of the 2022 season, at which point he can apply for reinstatement if he wants. And we will see what happens there if he tries to. Oh, you know he will. Yeah, I'm sure he will. I mean, he still never admitted he did anything wrong. So, So, yeah. Um, well, but I think he the, made like a, 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 a like vacillating. No, wait, what's the word I'm looking for? Obfuscating. There we go. Uh, like post or statement. Where yes, he, he did, and he admitted nothing. Yeah, he basically he claimed ignorance. Like, oh, I didn't know that was wrong. Yeah, he yeah. basically was like, ooh, wait, uh, sexual harassment's wrong. Didn't know that. Like, I'm gonna plead, plead ignorance on my part. Like, what yeah, the hell? dude, seriously. Um, but like, so, I forget who I saw. Somebody tweeted, they're like, if that's true, if he genuinely believes in his whole heart that what he did nothing wrong, that that speaks to a higher culture in MLB that says this is fine. Well, yeah, that's Which exactly is not incorrect. It. And yeah. we've talked about that many times. We talked about that when Sandy Alderson acts like the athletic asking him questions about the Mets culture is wasting his time. He thinks it's wasting his time because he doesn't think any of these things are bad. Yeah. yeah. He doesn't understand that because these things are widely accepted in major league baseball. So, Ugh. but you know, at least there's this. Um, and he was then obviously once he was placed on the ineligible list, the angels had no choice, but to fire him, but they did fire him real profiles and courage there. Uh, <laughs> But they well, did, and so he no longer manager. has a job. <sighs> but um, but on a related note, um, we learned this week um, that the Major League Baseball investigation into the harassment case involving ex-Met GM Jared Porter has reached, quote, the final stages with a decision and announcement expected within a week or two. Obviously, people weren't necessarily waiting with as bated breath for that investigation because the Mets actually did the right thing and fired Porter right away. Um, But obviously he's not on the ineligible list. He could have still been hired by some other team if some other team wanted to hire him. So um, they're still, obviously he's still subject to investigation by MLB and they have done that. So, um, you know, all of these things that should have wrapped up a long time ago because we have all the receipts for all of it. Um, are now wrapping up so we will hear soon about jared porter um and we'll see what happens there and we'll have it for you when it does um so (sighs) but on the heels of i guess good news uh came more bad news it's like every time we take a step forward with any of this we have to talk about more men being trash so here we are um, before I go into this s- segment of the podcast, a quick content warning. We're going to discuss issues of domestic violence. We're going to discuss a particular incident of domestic violence. If you do not want to listen to any of the details of said incident, you can skip forward ahead a little bit um, past this segment. But um, so we learned over the weekend um, on Saturday that Braves outfielder Marcelo Zuna was arrested on charges of aggravated assault, strangulation and misdemeanor battery family violence. Um, He will now be investigated under the provisions of the joint MLB, um, MLB Players Association domestic violence policy and subject to a suspension. Um, So after his arrest, the Braves released the following statement. We learned of Marcelo Zuna's arrest earlier this evening and immediately informed the commissioner's office. The Braves fully support Major League Baseball's policy on domestic violence, which stresses to the fullest that our society cannot and will not tolerate domestic violence in any form. 
Until the investigation is completed, we will have no further comment and all inquiries into the matter should be referred to the office of the commissioner. <sighs> so, what, I mean, what, makes this, what makes this different, I think, is also the police witnessed it. Yes, that's, so, that's really the big difference on this one. So they can move forward even if um, his wife decides not to press charges which yes. happens a lot in these in these cases so yeah in the, in a situation i mean it's different in every state um but in georgia which is where he was arrested um in a situation where his wife decides not to press charges or decides not to cooperate or move forward um the like basically the state takes over the case and decides whether to press charges whether charges should be brought against him um and in this case usually like in the case said, of enough evidence yeah they will bring charges most likely because the police witnessed the um the assault um which yeah if you you know, the police report is out there for you to see, um, and it contains graphic there's, details of what occurred. You can go seek that out if you want. Um, there's I also don't... video, or maybe it's just a photo, but I think it's a video of him being arrested. There's it a was photo just of a photo. Being... Okay, well, it's yeah. just a photo. Okay. Um, there's no, fa- uh, f- I would say thankfully, there's no video of the actual incident. Um, no. But the, po- po- but the police report contains a graphic description of what occurred in the incident. Um, and let's just say it's. I mean, it's they do wear body bad. cams, so I'm sure there is video somewhere. But Probably, but I'm I, not sure that's not going to be released. No. Um. So yeah, Hope. it's 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 ugly. Um, it was tough to read. Um, I'm not going to read it on the podcast but you can you can google it it's there if you want to read it but it's 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 tough it's a tough read um he was released from jail on a twenty thousand dollar bond yesterday with an order of no contact from his wife so that's the latest situation with him um according to reports this began as an argument over marital infidelity and he allegedly threatened to kill her um oh, which geez. is really scary um and this couple like has an a past history of this um ozuna's wife was arrested in 2020 for striking ozuna in the face with a soap dish so like she was also arrested once like people kept saying like she's also done stuff yeah and she was also arrested <laughs> like you know she suffered consequences. punishment for it yeah <laughs> yeah like you know consequences for the stuff you do um, i mean this this is just sounds like again this is from an outsider's perspective this sounds like a toxic couple all around very yeah. unhealthy relationship not a, and you just hope the kids are yeah like they safe. have kids they have yeah. Two yeah. kids right yeah christ so yeah i mean like not only not only suspend this man but like launch him directly into the sun do not pass go do not collect two hundred dollars <laughs> No, 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 no. But watch this man into the sun. There was an article, I think, from The Athletic saying it's kind of complicated because you can't just void the contract. Right, right. And because he's on the IL, so there's a whole bunch of... Yeah, there's a weird thing. So yeah, the least. He, yeah, he was just put on the injured list like right before this, like I think on Friday or something. He was just put on the injured list. He dislocated his finger, like two of his fingers, um, and he was put on the injured list. Um, and we were kind of talking about this recently. Like, can you, you know, suspend someone on the injured list? And I think the answer is no. But I'm not I don't sure. Think so. I think that like the idea is that the suspension would kick in after his IL stint. But 
like if you're the Braves, like by the time this investigation concludes, like his his like 10 days, at least like the minimum he would be on the IL will be up anyway. So the Braves will just like, quote, activate him at that point so they can start serving his suspension. Like, what are you going to do? You can't prove he's still hurt or not hurt. So like if if like I assume that like that's this type of shady shit that like any team would do, probably they're just going to like activate him as soon as he's eligible and then he'll start serving his suspension. Even though he's probably still hurt because dislocated fingers don't heal in 10 days. I mean, he originally posted it was going to be six weeks. Yeah. So we know it's going to be six weeks. So right, they do right. that. Well, no, they're blatantly lying. Well, yeah, but like, like, I don't know. Like, can you legally make them keep him on the aisle? Like, I don't know what, I don't know. I don't know no. what's going to happen with that. Yeah. But either I'm way. I'm trying to look this up. The whole like, thing's a mess. The whole yeah. thing's a mess. And it seems it, like regardless of the like IL, not IL, what happens there, like this, this is one of those few cases that is straightforward enough that he, that it is unlikely that this investigation will conclude anything except in a, like the highest, the lengthiest suspension one could possibly hand down under this policy. Like this is, I mean, Ray has got, the worst like didn't he get the highest penalty that you could give out under this I policy be- at the time first, yeah for the first offense i believe so yes because he yeah, was he got i the, think 80 games yeah. yeah like he got the the like highest penalty you could give under this and i and i feel like even though obviously like i'm not trying to compare what he did versus what ozina ozuna did i'm just talking about the evidence in the case like yeah the evidence is even stronger here because the police I mean, saw it I was going to say this all maybe be made moot anyway if he goes to jail. Yeah. Well, that probably possible. won't be for a while, though. Yeah. yeah so the, MLB has to act before that. Yeah, yes. MLB will act sooner. But it, this is a case where, we I mean, we don't see this a lot, but this is a case where he might go to prison. And yeah. who knows for how long. Um, I mean, the, the, the charges upon which he was, like, the charges on which he was arrested carry a maximum penalty of 20 years. Um, I don't think that's going to happen um, because, you know, he's a rich athlete. Um, I'm sure there'll be a plea bargain or something. Yeah, something. But he could go to prison and for not a short period of time. Uh, And it would be warranted. Like, he, Mm -hmm. like, this is bad. This is really bad what he did. Horrible. So, (sighs) baseball players stop beating your wife challenge but it also made me you know the thought across my mind is he was on the il like we don't know like other players since they'll when they get hurt or when this you know last year with the season being canceled they're home more so does that put more lives in danger like if women are just been silently suffering and now he's home i don't know it just no because that was part of the covid pandemic issues like one of the things they said was rising were domestic violence cases yeah because women were trapped with their abusers yes i shouldn't just say women because men men are also victims of domestic violence but and children yeah and children but like basically you know so the victims were trapped with their abusers yeah victims were trapped with their abusers and it created a really toxic situation and like you know so that seems to be the case here too baseball players are no exception to this rule where like if you're trapped with someone who has a tendency to be violent 
Um, and in this case, it seems like both members of this couple have a tendency to be violent. Um, then that, you know, breeds toxic results, very bad results. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. And I just, I don't know what the answer is or how to help or. Yeah. I just hope, you know, I just hope baseball takes this seriously and that, you know, no one like after his suspension is up, no one tries to like pick him up on the cheap, but you know, I I I wouldn't put it past baseball to do that. Any team to do that. I should say. I mean, dependent, depending on how the charges roll out, assuming they're not going to be dropped. I don't think they're going to be dropped, but then again, you never know. Um, it, it's all going to depend on ha- the outcome of that, the, like the not the legal consequences to this, right? So we'll see. We'll see. And we'll keep you, uh, you guys posted on that, but it's not good. It sucks. No, not every in the slightest. We, we don't want to talk about this every week, but here we are. Um, but the other big story this week, which didn't start as a baseball story, but it certainly leaks into baseball. Um, is um, that Naomi Osaka withdrew from the French Open um, after she was fined and threatened with harsher sanctions for skipping her mandatory media obligations. Um, She issued a statement on social media which cited her, like, struggles with mental health and her need to, like, address those, and that's kind of why she wasn't talking to the media because she has social anxiety and it's like really hard to deal with these media availabilities after matches. Um, and like, you know, it's, it's kind of sparked this whole conversation about athletes and mental health and media availability and how athletes are treated by the media. And Mm -hmm. many came out in support of Osaka, including Serena Williams. And most recently our very own Francisco Lindor who put out a fantastic statement on social media, which I will read. Athletes are people first. Respect to Naomi for the courage it took to speak up for herself and for her mental health. As athletes, we have we have a lot of people looking up to us, and we want to be role models to them beyond the game. There needs to be more conversation and education about this to ensure that not only athletes, but all of us feel supported in our mental well-being. Well said, Francisco. Love it. And Francisco himself knows, <laughs> yeah. knows that struggle. Oh, Lord yeah. knows because ever since he ca- he came to the Mets, like obviously, like we've mentioned, he's played Gold Glove defense um, and been an absolute joy to watch on the field. And obviously, he's smiling all the time. Love his personality. He's so great to have around. I love him. Um, but he hasn't lived up to expectations with the bat. And obviously the vultures are circling around him um, because when you make as much money as he makes, you attract the ire of the New York media. And so he knows what it's like um, to have to face that attention and have to deal with that and balance one's mental health on top of that and still perform as an athlete. So mm-hmm. it's really good that he came out in support of Naomi, especially cause like in this case, it's very different than Lindor and even Serena Williams. Cause in this case you have a very young athlete of color and it's, it's very, pr- it's predatory. It's predatory the way that people like her are treated by the media. Well, and also it's it's kind of voyeurism too on like the media's part. Like we saw it after the poor kid hit Pilar in the face. Like, why does he have to talk to the media? It's yes. probably like one of the worst thing days of his professional career. He seriously injured somebody. He was 
broken up about it. De-stressed, and that's an understatement. Yeah, and you know, now the poor kid is back in the minors. He he's been bad since then, so it's like what what do we need to hear from this kid? What are we gaining from making this kid talk about the worst moment of his professional career? And I mean, I feel I feel that way about a lot of players after they've suffered a hard loss or a bad play that's affected the game. Like, I don't want them to talk to the media no. immediately after that. Like, give them some time to process this and then, co- like, ask if you have to. Personally, I don't think they even have to ask. Things like that, to me, speak for themselves, especially body language afterward. And it feels very invasive to ask them about it period not just immediately after the game but again that's my opinion people will disagree with me on that so but it's just it's just a whole it adds so much unnecessary stress and this is a particular problem in new york where there are so many reporters from different outlets commenting asking the same questions and that was one of um osaka's complaints was that she's hearing the same questions over and over again and uh, that's you hear we hear it uh, on the post game every night the reporters are asking like some form of the same question and it's like he just answered that so and even with lindor too it's like mm. how many times can you say yeah i'm struggling exactly he knows how many different ways can he say it just like how many different ways can he say like i want to be called francisco not frankie i've said this like three times yeah like, like he's to... i think the diamondbacks called him frankie yesterday on their broadcast no like, <laughs> they just have a modicum of respect for them as human beings not just i mean they don't like no I, like, this goes back to matt harvey too yes calling him spoiled and then completely making fun of when he had the i think it was like the was it a urinary tract he was having a, a bladder issue I yes think. it was clots. and they were making there it was were clots, clots and stuff and he, they were making so many uh, jokes so like uh, classless yeah and, and like, then you, we're shocked he doesn't want to talk to you after that yeah right Right. And that was like, and that was right before the thoracic outlet syndrome. And they, they kept hounding him and kept hounding him. And eventually he just said like, like, I think he even used the F word at some point. He said like, I don't want to fucking talk about it. And like, people got really mad about that and like called him spoiled and the whole thing, which, but like, I'm like, how do you blame him? I wouldn't want to talk to them. They're asking him the same questions over and over. Like, why do you suck now, Matt? Because I have thoracic outlet syndrome. Leave me alone. And especially <laughs> when, especially when you're dealing with that injury and the mental, re- the mental and physical repercussions of that, and you're trying to process that yourself. Let alone trying to deal with the public pressure. Yeah, like his career could be over. Like at the time, I mean, he ended very well could be i mean he's back on yeah. the field but he's clearly not the same like let him grieve for that too yeah. there was a loss there he's, yes he was never going to be the same pitcher and there that is there's a level of grief that comes with that i mean right. especially when he was so elite in 2013 and 2015 yeah and right. that's all he knew like and you saw it on the mound he just i mean his body language was completely different from that yeah. picture. Like he was like, he dared you to get 
a hit mm-hmm. off of him. And then all of a sudden it looked like he couldn't get off the mound fast enough. Like when Terry would come out to get the ball, he would be like already half off the mound. Like I need to get out of here. Like, yeah, he was a broken man and, and it and, was sad. And I mean, I think like aside from the physical part of it, the mental part was that he, the media had built up this dark night personality and focused on him and was writing, especially in two thirds, 2013 they were kind of like stoking his ego by doing the i think it was the sports illustrated article and then the body issue uh, so and then they were just just as quick to tear him right back down which they're doing with, with lindor now yes yeah Cespedes, they did with Cespedes. they're doing it with lindor now like he was on the cover of sports illustrated going into the season on the cover of every magazine and now they're like and now they're shoving the mic in his face francisco why do you suck now like it like, like, like he knows, he knows like, like, he's not guys, playing well back off just back off how really many, a little bit how many different they, like i'm adjusting my swing quotes do you need exactly like i get they have jobs to do but they're not really asking in-depth questions here either right like they're not doing the actual analysis of like his no. swing path and things like no. that they're not they're just they asking just him why he sucks now and of course predictably um bringing it back to Osaka and the baseball connection here. Um, So somebody wrote a a really trash column. And when they tweeted it out, they wrote (laughs) Naomi Osaka is now just another diva. She was going to be so much more mental health is a serious issue. Hijacking that to avoid talking to annoying reporters. Not good. My column. And of course who quote tweets that agreeing with it. None other than John Heyman who said, good to see someone call out Osaka who's coming off as just another spoiled star. Where have we seen that refrain before from people like Heyman? Hmm. Cespedes, Hmm. Harvey. It's no surprise that these are the exact same people doing this to a young woman of color in tennis. Like who's elite out of here. Who's elite in her sport, in her sport, the best that there is in the sport. Like, Oh God. And like, you could be an elite athlete in the world and just and get anxiety having to talk about it like yeah there's it's a whole different there's people think that there's a certain threshold of success and that you have the success you no longer have feelings right yeah or you're not Not supposed to have you're not human you're not supposed to have negative feelings or when you make a certain amount of money you're not allowed to be human anymore either like when people boo lindor it's like why he sucks He's making money. He's making $340 million. Yeah, he knows. He knows that. And the second he said that, he was just like, I have 340 million reasons to like work hard. So he he didn't wake up and because you booed him, he was like, wow, I've been having a bad season. Good thing they booed me. I never would have known otherwise. (laughs) They know. Like big thanks to Joe from Queens. (laughs) I mean, I think in the uh, the other frustrating part is that we're st- like the fans are so offense focused that they don't notice his elite defense. Oh, they'll cheer oh. that, no problem, and then be like, "He's oh. contributing." He no, literally every just time he did. turns a double play, it's like, ah! 
and then like then he strikes out <laughs> well and also i find it funny everybody's like oh yay narco i love diaz it's like you didn't last year yeah, you like, didn't yeah, the right? year before you were killing him on social you media. were calling him a bum every day <laughs> yeah like oh you lost this kellenic i love jerry kellenic i can't believe this kellenic's gonna be a star and we have this bum worst trade in the history of the franchise and i was like oh narco hooray <laughs> Oh my god, I love the voice you just said that and I should <laughs> I shouldn't be laughing, but that was that was great voice. I mean if we're wrong. No, no, because I like that is still a constant theme in, in the Amazing Avenue comments. So that 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 trade was horrible. Well then yep. don't enjoy Diaz. I'm sorry. You don't get to in, in partake in the narco enjoyment. You don't get to dance around to narco. No. And oh, Kellenic's bang and- like 120, so take a million seeds. Yeah, seriously. Oh god. And I'm following along on the live thread right now. And it's more bad Francisco comments. And someone says they're calling him Frankie until he starts hitting. Come on. See, again, it's dehumanizing a player. That's not his name. I'm just going to say this is the game thread where reactions are live and visceral, but still. That's not his name. Like, what's what's your name? I'm going to call you something else. I'm going to call you Bob. Yeah. Until you stop pissing me off. Okay. Okay, Bob. All right, Bob. Until you You're stop being a shithead, off, I'm going to call you Bob. You're annoying, Bob. The dumbest thing I've ever heard. Like, I just... God. Like, you can't uh. just make up stuff. Like, see, that's the other thing. It's like people feel like they have ownership over uh. these athletes. But, yeah, I mean, they're still human. Like, yeah, so- What have you done for me? Yeah, like, you don't own the team. The only person who can, like, really complain is Cowan. Did you call did you call Cameron Mabin Maymay the entire time he was here because he wasn't hitting? <laughs> like I need to call him something else. Like I'm just so confused about like why this specific phenomenon. Like I'm not gonna call you by your actual name until you start hitting. That's the weirdest thing ever. What was wrong with you? <laughs> His name's Francisco. Just call him Francisco. It's not that hard. Yeah. Holy it's crap, just man. Rude and dehumanizing again. It is dehumanizing. Again, like these people don't see these athletes as human beings no. or individuals. Or that they get, like you said, like these athletes owe you something because they accepted a paycheck. Yeah. Like, like guess what? Ticket prices aren't going to go down if the, they didn't sign Francisco Lindor. Right. Yeah. The ticket exactly. prices would have stayed the same. And also, it's not the Will Ponds anymore. Cohen can just buy anybody else like any other free agent you can be like okay cool so i don't understand what francisco lindor's paycheck has to do with anything it doesn't have to do anything to do with anything um but yeah so like this this will be a continued discussion on this podcast because mental health is so important and not discussed enough in sports because sports are like this hypo like masculine like tough it out culture and that extends to like everywhere even women's sports um as we've seen so this we're gonna keep talking about this from various angles on different episodes of the podcast because we think it's really important but shout out to naomi osaka for for speaking her truth and and happy to see francisco lindor support that it's It's good sparking that discussion because it's a legitimate discussion that needs to be had exactly Exactly. I mean, these athletes go to the best trainers and take care of their bodies. Why wouldn't, you know, mental health is just as important. If you're not there mentally, how can you compete? And and I mean, we've, we've seen that with other players who may, might not be 
um, as visible, but like, this is a, also just a high pressure environment. These are guys that are at the top of their craft and are feeling pressure to begin with. So I, I just add the, add the pressure of the media to it. Woof. Especially New York media as we've seen. Oh my God. Yeah. And, and I mean, play, and players have said that about New York too. The media is just a lot more intense here. Um, yeah, so we will, we will keep talking about this on future episodes, but, you know, shout out to Naomi. Um, but in the meantime, Mm -hmm. we will end this podcast like we always do with walk-off wins where each of us talks about something that is making us happy this week, baseball related or otherwise. Linda Surovich, what is your walk-off win for this week? Well, I hinted at it. Um, I went to my very first double header on Thursday. Yay! I, I mean, Yay! I I had already bought tickets because I wanted to play hooky and skip out on work and <laughs> turn it into a long weekend. So I took Thursday all the way through Monday off, and um, very nice. So I'd already had tickets for that game, and then of course Wednesday night got rained out, and I was like, "Yes, I get to see Strowman now." And that was one of my goals for the year was to see Strowman, see Jake, Jake is still a goal. Um, but I also got to see Narco, which is awesome. <laughs> I was like, I got my first live Narco. <laughs> um, oh, and it was it was awesome. Um, and they shockingly won both games. Like after they won the first, and I was like, okay, Strowman pitched beautifully, and yeah, I think they only scored on a Peraza home run. So yes. it's like, all right, cool. Diaz shut the door very easily. Um. And then game two, Lucchese started and he warps up to the Sopranos theme, which is amazing. <laughs> Love and that. this is, I've been to three games this year. I've seen Lucchese pitched twice. <laughs> Oof. <laughs> Oof. <laughs> but he was good. He was actually really good in both of the games that I went to. Um, yeah, and they ended up winning the second game. I saw the start of the Billy McKinney era. I took a picture <laughs> of number 16 right field and he was really good. Like he made a lot of catches because we sat in a fully vaxxed section, which was good. You could take your mask off. It was more, I was actually for a Thursday afternoon game. Like there was a lot of people there. Like our vaccinated section was almost pretty, it was almost completely full because they leave one seat in between, in between pods, I guess. Um, people so, just want to get out at this point. Yeah, and you could take your mask off, so it was weird. I was like, I see people, like there's faces. People have like <laughs> more to their yeah, face right? than just eyes. Um, I was I was thinking about one of my coworkers at the library. She's brand new. She's hired in August, and I have not seen the bottom half of her face yet. <laughs> no, it's so right. weird. <laughs> But, I'm gonna be so freaked out when I see it next week. Yeah, if she's not wearing her mask. Yeah, no, you you give me really do. You've just kind of adjusted to it. It's it's weird, but yeah. um, it was an absolutely beautiful day. It was like 80 degrees. Um, two Mets wins. I'm three and zero in Mets games this year. I got my ice cream and a helmet. Like Yay! it was, it was just the perfect, perfect day. And so that's my walk off win. Um, that's a fantastic walk off win. Yeah. That's awesome. I'm, yeah, it was, it was a really good day. Kelly good and Haley, what is your walk-off win? Okay, so I have two. <laughs> I'm cheating. 
So the first one is that I finished my applications to library schools. Yay! Yay! So I'm very excited about that. And I'll hear decisions in a few weeks. That's not nerve wracking. I hear I have an interview next week, next Wednesday. Um, And my other one, the more important one, (laughs) I am visiting Allison and Michael to see the double header against the Nationals on the 19th. I'm very excited. I'm very excited to see them and hang out with both of them. I haven't seen you guys in a while, so I'm very excited. Although I don't know if this is a controversial take. I kind of like this of an inning double (laughs) I like It's a lot different in person. It really, like... It's then you're like, I don't know if I'll stay for the second game, but then you're like, oh, wait, it's seven innings. I can do this. It's it's that I I like them in smaller amounts. I'm just going to be worried that they have so many in such a short span of time. Yeah. Yeah. We did like the fifth inning stretch both times. And then like you look up, it's the sixth inning. It's like, oh, wait, Strowman can finish this game. He didn't. But your whole concept of the game gets thrown off in double headers. But yeah, I kind of like them. I don't know if that's controversial. It totally is. I'm fine with them during (laughs) I'm fine with them during as like during COVID times and like but like I I don't hope I hope they don't stay because like they're gonna be so much rarer like after covid that like it won't make sense anymore to me but like also i don't know i like it's easily one of the things that annoys me the least like i would easily give that up like i will easily be like okay i will take seven inning double headers forever if you just get rid of the damn runner on second base i will take that i will take that trade in a second away yeah. I think the other the other thing about the seven innings is it gives the teams playing them a slight bit of an advantage because seven innings, you don't necessarily need to use your bullpen. No, it really does save the bullpen. It makes the yeah. difference. Yeah. So that kind of gives an advantage to those teams playing them. Yeah. Um, but my walk-off win is, well, it's I it's the same as Kellyanne's, the second half of Kellyanne's. <laughs> she's coming down, and we're going to the the um, Saturday to the doubleheader uh, Mets-Nats game, going to two games in one day. Woo! I'm so excited for that. It's a day-night doubleheader, so there's going to, like, there's separate admission. So it's going to, there's going to be a break in between. We're going to be able to, like, go to the brewery across the street from the ballpark, just have a whole afternoon. It's going to be so nice. I, like, can't wait for it. I'm so excited. Um, I'm and very it, excited. And it really, I really needed this because I was like super bummed out because I was supposed to go to my first game um, at City Field mm-hmm. since July 2019 over the weekend, and it was Sunday's game, and that got rained out, and I was really sad. Like we drove all the way up from DC, mm. and I was just so upset. Mm. Like I was like in tears. I was like, "Why? No, game? this was gonna be my first game," and I was so disappointed and heartbroken. So I needed to buy tickets to like three more games to make up for it. Um, so, but yeah, I mean, like, it's not like I'm going to be not going to baseball games this year. Like we're going to, um, we're going to the, uh, Mets O's game at Camden Yards coming up on June 8th. And then we're going to go to the series in DC, obviously. Um, and we're also trying to go on July 5th during July 4th weekend. We're trying to go to that Monday game on July 5th. Um, which I'm going to try to trade like, cause now I obviously have like credit for another game since my game got rained out. So I'm going to, I think I'm going to try to trade for that July 5th game, see if we can pull that off. Um, I've yet to do it, but we'll figure it out. 
Um, so yeah, I that's also just realized that the NAD Nationals Park will be the first non-city park I've ever been to. Oh, that's awesome. Oh, <laughs> that's exciting. Nats Park is great. So I Nats hope Nationals. Okay. I was gonna say I hope Nats Park is great. It's good. Uh-huh. Yeah. I would say it's a good, it's a solid ballpark. It's not Camden Yards, I, but it's a solid ballpark. Um, okay. So yeah, I mean, like, I'm still kind of bummed that like my first baseball game back, like since the pandemic won't be at City Field, but you know, Camden Yards is the next best thing in my view. Um, so that'll yes. be fun. Um, so I'm very excited for all my upcoming baseball games to uh, uh, to kind of like ease the sorrow of me missing that Mets game of that Mets game getting rained out. So, but I'm going to many games, so I sh- I, I, I'm not going to be sad about it. It's fine. Um, but my other like kind of smaller walk off win that I kind of thought of on the fly because Linda and uh, Linda was talking about seeing the lower half of people's faces. I met my coworkers for the first time in real life last oh. week. Um, so that was really fun. We went to happy hour like on Thursday. Um, and I like my branch is small. It's just me and two other people and our boss basically. So it was like the two other people in my branch and I went to happy hour to sell it. One of them got engaged recently, which is very exciting. So we went to like sort of celebrate and also to be like, we can see each other in real life. Like I've been at this job for almost a year now and I've never met my coworkers. Um, so I got to meet them for the first time in real life. So that was really fun. I, I had a great Woo-hoo! time. Like they, they're really awesome. But like, I had no doubt, like I get along with them great <laughs> over zoom. So I had no doubt that we would get along fine in real life, but it was still very nice just to be able to like see them and hug them in real life. <laughs> that was nice. Oh, that's fantastic. Um, so that's my other walk off win. I also cheated and picked two. Um, but you know, why not? I needed I needed two to balance my 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 sad my sad girl moment about the game being canceled. So, <laughs> um, yes. but um, you're while allowed you're, while you're waiting your way through of the next Mets rainout. Um, you can go to amazingavenue.com, check out all of our fantastic content. I got player meters every week. We got game recaps after every game. We've got Mets morning news for you every morning. Various analysis, player analysis, etc. Go to AmazingAvenue.com for all of that content. You can follow Amazing Avenue on Twitter, Facebook, Instagram, at Amazing Avenue. You can follow this show on Twitter, at A Pod of Their Own. You can follow each of us on Twitter. I am at PhD. Where are you, Linda? At Linda Servage. And you, Kellyanne? I am at L-R-B-E-L-L-A-R-E-B-E-E. Follow the show on Twitter. Follow each of us on Twitter. You should subscribe to this podcast, Amazing Avenue Audio, our entire suite of awesome pods, wherever you get your podcasts from, Apple, Stitcher, Spotify, your podcast app of choice. Please rate and review the show. It really helps people find it. The original intro and outro music to this podcast is by Bunga. Let's go Mets. And don't forget, there is no crying in podcasting.